Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas. Now, there's a type of uh, personality you will run across on the dating scene that is very annoying. We're talking that argumentative person. That person that, no matter what, they got to argue. Now, there are some characteristics with these individuals. There are about eight to nine of them. We're going to go over some of the things. One, they're very inflexible on their views. These people are set in their ways. They're not going to change. They don't compromise my way or the highway. They believe this until the bitter end. The next thing, they're going to be very skeptical. They're going to be skeptical in the sense that if they have a hardline view, take for instance, if they're conservative, they're going to be skeptical of the liberal poor. If they're liberal, they're going to be uh, skeptical of the elitist conservative. That's the way that goes. So usually when you meet these people, they're going to already have an air of skepticism about you upon meeting you. They have very little, if any, problem-solving skills. These are the kind of individuals that will get frustrated and... They just don't want to deal with problems. This is the reason why they become so devout in their beliefs. They become so devout in their positions. And they will hold on to that position. Because there's a level of insecurity there when it comes down to solving problems. Because many times they feel as though if they have to compromise, in some way they're losing. They're showing a sign of weakness. And what this does, in essence, it hits their ego. Now, the one thing to keep in mind, our ego, to a certain degree, is our foundation. It is the thing that kind of makes us who we are. We don't want to admit it, but it does have an impact. Because with that ego, what do we get from it? Confidence, right? So this is what definitely fuels the fire there all right next thing these people will give up easy when it comes to setbacks one setback they're throwing their hands up they're walking away from the whole situation they don't have the stomach to deal with it these people are usually individuals that have to be in charge so they have to have the last word during the argument or conversation these people usually want to have Control. If they can't be in control or in charge of a group or an organization, they don't want to participate because they feel as though they're above being a follower. 
they're just a natural born leader from their perspective only. But this is way this is the way they look at things. They're less content with life. So no matter what you do or what this per- person uh, may have accomplished, they will always find a flaw somewhere along with other people. They love to point out other people's shortcomings and flaws because what that does, it helps them establish a foundation to conceal their own. So don't be surprised if you start dating one of these people and they start to condemn you for various things that they see as flaws in you. They do this for a reason. They do this to keep your critical eye from looking at them. They prefer just to point the finger. Now, these people are also more impulsive. They will go out and do something and then realize they made a mistake and then try to reel it back. This is a common thing with them. And they can't help themselves with this. This is like a predisposition. They may go off the handle. They may start cussing a person out. They may start just going off without having all the facts together. Now, all of this is centered on the last one. Well, next to the last one, low self-esteem. Because this is where it comes from. I'll go stay in my views, criticize other people that don't align with my views, and therefore, that makes me feel whole. And so as long as I'm pointing a finger at them, I feel better than they do. These people will also use shaming, blaming, guilt, any other tactic they possibly can in order to get their way to be in charge or be in control. This is a position of weakness. However, they try to present it as a position of power. And the way they try to do this is have those high standards for some of you ladies. They will go and be very skeptical of the guy calling him a liar when they don't have any evidence to that particular uh, situation. If distance or anything is a problem or any kind of uh, inconvenience, they view that as a problem, therefore they're not interested. If there's a situation where they may have reached an impasse where the person smokes and she doesn't want a smoker, or she sees it, uh, there's no need for us to try to pursue it. I'm not going to work with you to try to quit smoking. As an example. Now, also they're less content, meaning that they're going to have something that they're complaining about. Maybe, you know, I got to find a man that makes six figures because I ain't dealing with this. Uh uh-uh. uh. Mm mm. And a lot of times these people don't look at the failure in their own efforts to try to make themselves happy. Instead, they look at someone else to do that for them. Now, they're also very impulsive. They may go, have a feeling, act on that feeling, and then try to apologize later. And they may not have all the facts when they get upset. They just may go off. Another thing, too, self-esteem, like I said before, the reason for this a lot of times is to deflect because they have low self-esteem and they don't want to undergo the scrutiny that they put someone else under. In other words, deflect and let me be in charge. 
Now, they have very low emotional intelligence, meaning that they are very insensitive to another person's feelings. This is the reason why you get a lot of these girls that, especially from the hood, that, you know, can say something, do something, put a guy out where he's fighting against another guy, risking his life for her and not even care about him. This is what you get because they have a very low sense of emotional intelligence. Something happens to him, oh, well, that's his problem. He got to deal with it, not me. And that's the way they look at it. Now, all of this goes to the fact that the way this person's ego is stroked is by the compliance they get from other men and other people. For you ladies, it'll be other men. So what does that mean primarily? As long as that guy and a large number of men put you on a pedestal, bow to you, call you queen, goddess, whatever, kissing your ass, then what happens, that ego is stroked. And so that gives you the confidence to go and do these other things that are in this category. Now, like I said again, this doesn't apply to all women, but those of you dealing with argumentative people, this is some of the things that, these are some of the things that are associated with them. We'll carry on in just a moment. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, and let's go back in the mailbag. And we got something from Liz out of San Diego. I really love your show. You make so much sense. Thank you for such a refreshing outlook on relationships. I thought I was doomed. I'm 42 years old, Caucasian, just recently divorced, two teenage sons living at home, and trying to make ends meet. I've been thinking about dating interracially and I've thought about it. My son has got a black girlfriend. My other son has a, a Caucasian girlfriend. And I'm thinking that, at least in this way, there's a balance. One son is with a girl of his same race and the other one is one of the opposite race. I've had some kind of ideas about dating someone that was black or Hispanic. Still debating on that. My husband was white, Anglo-Saxon, very good guy but we didn't get along on a lot of things when it came to finances. He liked living beyond his means, and unfortunately, gambling was part of our marriage. But now that that's behind me, I'm looking for something with a brighter future. Question I want to ask you, though, just out of curiosity, because this has happened to a girlfriend of mine recently. She's white, and her husband is white. But he cheated on his wife with a black woman. The other woman that he cheated on her with in the past had been Hispanic. Is there any difference between the types of women when it comes to the bedroom? Just curious about this. Would love to hear from you and your response. I'll listen in for your response on your podcast. And also, if you can get a chance, call me. My number's attached. I would love to be a guest on your show. Liz, 
San Diego, California. All right, my dear, definitely. Love to have you on the show, Liz. Hopefully we can get you on here. All right, um, here's the thing. I've had this question asked to me before. Women have asked me, what is it like being with this kind of woman versus that kind of woman? Some people will say it's all the same. I notice differences. Uh, with some women, it's the way they use their body. Others, it's the way they use their muscles. With my ex, Monica, she was very proficient in muscle usage because what she would love to do is to lay there and just let things pulsate. And she would just use all of her pelvic and vaginal muscles. That was one thing that she was very good at. It depends on the woman though, because in the Philippines, same thing. Japan, same thing. A lot of women develop those muscles and trust and believe they come in handy. Now there are other women where they don't use their muscles and therefore they like the fact that they could be penetrated and they don't have any resistance. So it depends. It's not so much the race of the woman, even though there are some cultural differences because I've dated a woman from the Middle East. She didn't have a clitoris. It was cut off when she was young. Um, it depends. It depends. Depends on the woman. And it depends on, you know, and you just can't go with uh, black women are like this, white women are like that. No. Because a lot of guys used to ask me when I was overseas, hey man, what, what's that kind of pussy like? I'm like, well, it's not like a brand that you buy at Walmart and say, yes, I'd like uh, two cans of Italian pussy, please. It doesn't work that way. And this is what some people don't understand. It's all about the woman. There are some that will use uh, certain positions. For instance, I've had women to actually stand sideways, lay me on my back, and they would stand sideways and squat down. And they liked being penetrated that way. It depended on the woman. You know, where her points are inside of her that makes her, you know, really get to that point where those places are, her G-spot, those kind of things. And after a while, you'll learn this after you've been with a person long enough. But I think what you're trying to do, uh, Liz, is make a correlation between the women's race and the reason why he's cheated on her. It has nothing to do with that, really. What he wanted to do was have something that was exotic and something that was completely out the norm of his normal repertoire of women. Now, when a guy cheats, like I say, they cheat out of opportunity, they cheat due to low self-esteem, feeling uh, abandoned, alone. Now, some people will cheat with someone of the opposite race just so that they can get attention, just so that they could uh, be heard, or in some cases, to end the relationship. I knew a lady that was with, we dated for a short period, and uh, she told me 
in a past relationship, the reason why she dated a black man was so that her angry boyfriend would see that and would lay off and would no longer be interested in it. And she was right, because what had happened was he said that she was blacked. Now, this term blacked means that a white woman has had sex with a black man. Now, some guys voluntarily want their wives blacked or girlfriends blacked, but others may look upon it as a thing where she's tainted now because a black man has quote-unquote stretched her out. Like a woman's vagina is not going to stretch normally. But this is what, you know, they try to make people believe. Now, the other thing that you have to realize too is this. When it comes down to if you were to have cheated, well, your friend, Liz, if your friend would have cheated, then he probably would have had a problem if she was with a black man or minority man. But being that he was the one that did that, she would probably forgive him. Now, there's a good possibility she would have forgiven him for this, but if he was with a trans woman or another man, not on your life, she would have never forgiven him. And that's the way these things go sometimes. Now, as far as you, you need to follow your own instinct, follow your own vibe. Be logical about it, but you could also be loving about it. In other words, don't give him any exemptions just because he's black and he's somebody you want. See, the problem with us is that, see, a woman in general, she can get anybody she wants, pretty much. A guy has to get who he can get and who will want him also in that process. So it's a different type of uh, thing. Now, another thing too, being that both of these women were minorities that your friend was dealing with, friend's husband, boyfriend was dealing with, there's a good possibility that he had low self-esteem and he thought the way to bring himself up was to be with minority women to put him on a pedestal. And it's no secret, a lot of white folks will do this when they feel down on themselves. They may go and the fat white girl that's not getting the respect in the community, in her uh, suburban community, may go and start dealing with black men because then she's put up on a pedestal, more or less as a social token. Sometimes that does happen. Other times, though, they're probably in love. And we make that assumption that they are like that just because they are both misfits in their own culture or own society, and that's not the case. Could very well be that they love each other. But we like to make our own narratives to whatever suits our fancy. This is how we handle life. This is how we cope. How many times have you heard a person said somebody should go to hell and they're a Christian because they're designating that person to go to hell because of the way they feel about that person. Now that person could be a very good person, but that individual is condemning them to hell because they're mad at them for whatever reason. Stupid. But this is what we deal with on a regular basis in our society. 
Everything is subjective to our own value system. What we believe is what is. Not what we think, not what we hope, but what we believe. Because see, the thing is with thinking, you can use your critical thinking skills, which means you can use logic and fact. When you believe something, it doesn't have to be validated or proven. It just has to be believed. And this is what you deal with. So, I tell you ladies straight up, if you're a Caucasian woman, you want to be with a black man, fuck it, just go for it. Don't worry about any overhead, don't worry about any backlash, go for it. If you're a black woman want to be with a white male, or a white man that wants to be with a black woman, go for it. Damn society. Society is not going to do anything but criticize you as long as they're not benefiting from you. The minute they can benefit from you, they turn on a dime. They are just like animals that you feed. You could feed them anything, they're going to keep coming back. When you stop feeding them, you're their adversary. That's the way it works. Plain and simple. So no matter what race you're in, no matter whether you're into fat people, skinny people, old people, young people, as long as they're legal, young people. And when I say legal, I usually go 21 and over, but you can go 18. It should not be a situation where there should be an issue or complication. Society has the problem with your relationship. You don't. Your partner does not. So that's all that matters. And when society has a problem with your relationship, that's okay. When your family has a problem with your relationship, that's okay. They're supposed to. Because they're not in the relationship with you. And don't try to appease. I've seen people do this. Where they break up with their partner in order to appease the parents and family. If the thing is working out between the two of you, fuck them. I'm serious. Because they're not going to contribute to your happiness. Now, it's a different story if they see something and the person is detrimental to you. Yes. If it's a situation where that person is trying to use you for whatever reason, yes, or abuse you or something like that. But if it's something where the two of you are getting along and they just don't like him or like her because of race, color, size, whatever, even gender. Because I also believe that, <coughs> excuse me, and you notice I use the word believe, that if a person and another person are consensual about things and the other person knows with full disclosure what they're dealing with, I don't have any problem with gender on gender, like if they're the same gender or whatever or if they're trans. I don't have no problem with them getting along and having a relationship. The problem I only have is with deception when it comes down to that. That's the issue. Plain and simple. I'll give you an example of deception. I watched a film one time called Faces of Death. I don't know if you've seen that they have several series. I think it was like nine or ten series of those. And they had this guy that was in this hut in Africa and he had this headache. And he was there with his wife. 
And so the witch doctor told him that he was going to take the pain from his head and bring it to his finger. But first he had to take the wife in the back of the hut. Well, the man went and fucked his wife. Then he comes back and he rubs his oil on the man's head, on his shoulders, down one of his arms, down to his finger, and he cut his damn finger off and put it on a leaf. I told him that he was okay. Only thing the man had to do was take a beastly headache powder if he could have found a place that sold him. Or something of that sort. Losing a finger, a digit over that, shit. There was another lady. The man told her she had demons. And he took a pipe and blew smoke up her ass and her vagina. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't think that's too healthy. It was like the woman in the porno movie that was putting a cigar down there and was letting it inhale and exhale. You never know. Crazy things have happened. But this is the world we live in. These are the people that breathe the same air we do. The only thing we hope is that we don't really meet them, appropriate with them, but we never know. We may be walking past one of those folks every day, working with one of those folks every day, living next door to one of those folks every day and never know it. More in a moment, folks. More in a moment. Hi everyone, Jocelyn with you here. Let's talk now about that partner that you're going to meet. We've already talked about some of the characteristics and traits of their arguing. But you're going to meet this person, and it's usually a female. They're going to have an irrational argument. Now, usually when they get into these arguments with you, it's philosophical and it's about their belief. They're trying to persuade you. And even though you're not being persuaded, they're still going to repeat the same thing over and over. You know, it's like you can turn to any one of these hood videos and you'll hear the same girl smacking her hand, repeating the same thing into infinity, as if they want to make something happen, make it real. And it's all the same. It's all an emotional dump. That's all it is. So what happens here? Many people will go and start an argument for attention, they will do it for other reasons. They will go in and just try to act like they're the smartest person in the room. And these people sometimes call themselves contrarians. Contrarians primarily are people who deliberately try to find another way to argue a point. In some cases, even if there is no point. Because the one thing that they want to do is seem like they're the smartest person in the room. And they love to do this. And sometimes their arguments are nonsensical. They are baseless. They don't have any facts. It's basically belief. And the hope is that they're going to say something that will resonate to people who may have the same philosophy or belief they do so that they can have the choir to come in and condone 
their sentiment to try to convince the other person. Now, here's an old tactic that's been tried for years. A person will go on a radio show, for instance. They will go and espouse a view. And then after they do that, then that host will like have them on regularly because they notice that that person is bringing up the ratings, right? Well, this person will eventually branch off and start their own show and not even acknowledge the person that gave them the start. And this is how a lot of people get used, especially on YouTube. But the one thing to keep in mind is this. These people always have to be right. They will always fix an argument where they are right. And if they are not, they're going to try to overtalk. They're going to try to batter you with a lot of uh, jargon, for the most part. Because what they want to do is, it's about trying to convince you. If they can't convince you, they're trying to convince others. Because the whole thing comes down to, in some ways, they want to be the center of attention. And what does that come from? What we talked about earlier, low self-esteem. These are the same people that will go and start a nonsensical argument about something. And then they don't care about the facts. Matter of fact, you could come in and quote all the facts on Google you want. They don't care. Because their opinion and their emotions outweigh their logic. And of course, when that happens, what you have is a person that you see and you would say to yourself, would I want this person representing me in a relationship? The answer would be hell no even though they claim that they're passionate about what they believe. But here's the thing. Many of them are very intolerant about any opposing views. They've already fixed in their head what they want to say, what they want to believe, and they feel as though you should believe it. If not, you should shut up if you're not saying what they want you to hear. I mean, saying what you, what they want to hear from you. And sadly, I can tell you, I have ended a mini relationship because of this. Because some women will go and think that it's cute. Uh, others are thinking that they're being intellectual. Um, they're trying to shame you. They're trying to guilt you out. And this is the way they may try to go about and do it. Fellas, what I would tell you is never fall for this. Because what they're just trying to do is get the attention of you so that eventually, especially if she doesn't really know how to create an icebreaker where she could talk to you, she may go and try to challenge you, try to embarrass you, try to shame you. And I will tell you, ladies, that's the wrong approach, I'm telling you. We, you know, that shit is as tired as lines are from men telling you lines. Nobody's doing that no more. The only people you're shaming and embarrassing are men that really aren't secure in their own being. So it makes good for you to stroke your ego, but you still have no man that loves you. The only thing you have is just a whole bunch of attitude and low self-esteem. So this doesn't work to your advantage at all. And a lot of women will use this tired-ass playbook and think that it's like the newest thing since sliced bread. Don't get it. 
Now, guys use this as well. Don't get it twisted. But you see more women use this than men. Because this is a manipulative tool that they like to use. Now, if there is not an argument, if there is not something, it's not uncommon for these people to manufacture some sort of confrontation, some sort of uh, war, or some sort of uh, argument. Because, see, the whole thing is about them having the floor, them having the attention. And they may come up with an argument that makes no sense in order to get a follow. And where are they leading these people? Off the side of a cliff. That's where they're going. Because see, it has more to do with them and their low self-esteem. You have more people that are around you, more people that like your views and believe you the same way you are, believe that you should be the same thing they are in far as thinking, therefore you're okay with them. The way I've always looked at it in radio, one thing I learned years ago, you want to always leave your audience where they can think for themselves. You want to point some things out, but it's up to them to make the ultimate decision. It's up to them to decipher whether or not they like what you do or they don't, or they have an opinion. That's what it's about. It's not about forming an opinion as far as the host. That's not my job. You've already formed your opinion on things. And you may want to have an extra set of eyes on a situation you're dealing with, like these people who write in. And I give them those extra set of eyes. But I always tell them what I would do. I always tell them what their options are. But it's up to them to make the decision. Even if I was a licensed therapist, and the only thing I have to do is just do a year to get a PhD in that. But, mm -mm, even if I was a therapist, I would tell you right off the bat, I still would not put it in a situation where I would make the decision for that person. And I don't think any credible ther therapist would. It would have to be something that they would have to volunteer for and they would have to want to do. So I don't see any problem there with that. Because I get email from people that write in and they say, well, these people ought to be ashamed of themselves sharing this stuff with you. And I'm like, well, hell, you have problems in your life and who do you share those problems with? Most people probably don't. You have to remember a couple of things, folks. And this is a sensitive subject. When a lot of people commit suicide and the family doesn't know why and the people don't know why, it's because they've held that inside of them. They haven't been able to express it with someone that would at least halfway understand what they're going through. And so many of them leave with the attitude they wouldn't understand. And then you have to ask yourselves, what is it they don't understand? What is that that they don't understand? 
And when I say they, I'm talking about us, society. And what that is, folks, is that they, us, look at a person who needs help as being weak, being deficient, being subpar, being less than. And that's not the case. Because all of us have problems. We just look down on other people who have more problems than we do and who are less fortunate than we are. I will never forget. <laughs> I went on a date with a lady one night, Caucasian lady. And um, we were sitting there having dinner. And the reason why I brought out that she was Caucasian was because of what transpired. So we're sitting there, interracial couple, and there was another couple that came in with a white guy and a Latin woman, and she was, you know, very dark-skinned, Latina, pretty. And so she was hugged up with her husband, or man, whoever he was, and she made a comment to him. As we're sitting there eating food, she says, my God, I am so glad I'm not black. I could just only imagine what those people go through. And she went to kiss her husband, or man, whoever he was. My date kind of looked at her, gave her this look like they were daggers. I ignored her. Her man looked down on her and pushed her away from him. And he said, I can't believe you said that shit. And she started that nervous laugh. He walked out of there and she walked behind him. He was so embarrassed by her. And my date was up there clapping her hands when they, when they left. And I was like, damn. Now, I doubt if she would have said that if I was with an African-American woman. But she made a point to say it when she saw me with her. And these things happen. And by the way, folks, that was the lady that I was telling you about, the one that I was on a date with this time, was the lady I told you about who did the cartwheel in the sundress. That was her. And it was just crazy. But you know, people have their own way of doing things to separate themselves from others. And what she thought would happen was by her saying what she said, I guess that she was gonna get an amen from him. And that's the way it works. These people will have this disposition and they will try to treat it like a religion, try to indoctrinate. You know, it's the same thing with these guys. Now they're talking about having a woman to submit. And it's like they watch a video and they say, oh yeah, submit, that's what she gonna do. Yeah, you need to submit to me, won't Man, please. You gotta first find somebody you can trust we're talking about them submitting to anything. That woman will submit to your ass and you think you got, got it on lock. Hmm. <laughs> you take your ass to the cleaners.
You know, let me tell you something, folks. I've been in situations before when it came to relationships where women literally did things such as wanted to give me their car keys so that I could use their car while their husband's out of town. Even, I had my own car, didn't need theirs. But they had the latest model, Jaguar, Mercedes, BMW. Could have done that if I wanted to. Because the thing is, women want to be listened to. They want to be heard. That's what this whole movement about, both men and women. They want to be heard. But see, a lot of them have nothing but an argument, and that's all they have. And if there's not conflict and chaos going on, they ain't shit. Because they have to have that going on. That gives them a thing to do. It's just like being, <laughs> like one guy when I was in the Marine Corps said, he says, you know, I feel like shit because it's peacetime. I need a war to feel like I'm somebody. Well, he got his wish. When I got out of service, he went in a desert shield, like that so much, he went into Iraq later on and made a career out of it. But, you know, to each their own. But the main thing I'm saying is, when it comes down to something like this, folks, and you're dealing with a person that you would like to have in your life for an extended period, you're going to have to understand certain things that you're going to have to structure so that your relationship will function. Now, will it be 100% smooth? Probably not. You guys are going to have to work on things. But the one thing that I will tell you, if you get involved with an argumentative person, that's what you're going to be dealing with for the rest of your relationship. Those seven characteristics I told you about, those are going to be the things you're going to have to deal with. And that one that's the trigger is that low self-esteem. Because low self-esteem is what makes people engage in irrational and illogical behavior. Because it's an emotion that they want to correct at any time. They're embarrassed by it. Totally embarrassed. I'll give you an example. I was with this one lady, we were just talking, and I'd met her on a dating app years ago, and we were just talking, and we decided to meet for coffee. And so I could see she was trying to be very provocative up there, you know, putting her hands on me and everything, wanting to hold my arm and hand. Okay, it's cool. So she says, well, let's go back to my place. We go back, she'll watch television. I get to her place. I was sitting there, and she goes and she changes into this robe, and it's only obvious she has nothing on under the robe. So I knew something was going to happen. And so she did all this bragging in the beginning about how she got all this love for a man and what she could do for a man, etc., etc. 
And I'm like, okay, you know. Mm hmm. We got to that house. We sat in the living room. All that touchy feely stuff she did in public. Mm hmm. No. She was a block of ice. All of that stuff she talked about, about how sensual and sexual she was. Mm-mm. Had her legs crossed, sat beside me, didn't want me to put my arm around her. Whole different person when I got to her house. 100%, 180 all the way. And I'm like, what the hell? And she went and she said, do you want a beer? I said, yeah, I'll take a beer. Brings the beer, opens it up, puts a coaster on it. And I'm like, okay, cool. And so I go to lean back. She said, oh, no, you got to sit up on the chair when you drink the beer. I don't want you leaning back. I said, oh, you know what? Fuck this. I got up and walked out. And she's like, really? The only thing I wanted you to do was sit up? I said, no, we, we're not going to do this. And I left. And I'm glad I did. That's a woman called me about nine times that night asking me to come back and she's sorry and and it's just something she's going through and I'm like, I don't want to hear that bullshit. Whatever you're going through, you should have gone through it before you called me over there to come over. And this is what you deal with sometimes. And what it came down to, she liked being in control. True enough, it was her apartment, but guess what I didn't have to do? Stay there and acknowledge her control. I stepped my ass out of there, and she was powerless. You see, folks, the person only has power, provided that you give it to them. And the way you give it to them is with your presence and your attention. And what I used to love to do When I would see a woman that was obviously looking for male attention, I would deliberately ignore her, look around her, look over her. She's not even there. And just watch her get pissed off. And just watch her go and make up an argument to talk about. Men. You know, you guys, uh, don't even start with me. I'm not the customer service department for men. I can give a shit unless how you feel. People try to complain about this show. And I write them back and tell them, there's no customer service department here. If you don't like it, don't listen. (laughs) I'm not catering to your ass just because you have an issue. There are many other people that like to tune in. And I'm not going to inconvenience them for you. And I tell them, you want your own show, make your own show. But a lot of them fall by the wayside. But if you don't get anything else out of this particular segment, the one thing I want you to get out of it more so than anything is you need to identify when you're dealing with an argumentative person and when they have a nonsensical argument. Because usually their argument is fueled by emotion, not logic. They're not going to bring up any valid points, and the points that they do bring up are usually old points. And that's the way it goes. 
plain and simple because of the fact that they are wanting the attention more so than anything else. More in a moment, folks. Now, there's one type of woman that is out there that's really full of herself. This is the woman that's going to pretty much tell you that the only way to get a man's attention is to be confrontational and combative. We hear that a lot. A lot of these women are more talk than they are actual action. And here's the thing. Quality men are not messing around with these women. That's the reason why they have this attitude, because they can walk over a lot of simple, simple, impotent male prototypes. This is what they do with these guys. They eat these guys for lunch. So with that, they may try to go for a guy, and then what the first thing that people do when they can't get what they want, they devalue it. And so he's stuck up. Oh, yeah, he's probably gay. He's probably this. He's probably that. No. He's probably somebody that's out of your league that don't want your ass. Plain and simple. You don't have to qualify it any other way. You know, now that I think about it, something ironic happened years ago. There was a lady that I was really thinking about talking to. Tried to have a conversation with her. I saw her once before. And then finally saw her at the Black Radio Exclusive up there in uh, Universal City at the Sheridan. And I asked her out. And she says, <laughs> you can't afford me. I'm out of your league. Stay in your lane. Cut my ass down, right? I mean, cut me the fuck down. Cut me, I mean, feet went from under me in my head and feet flipped over my head. So I was like, okay, no problem. Now, ironically, I had no idea that I would ever see this woman again. And it was years later. This happened back in the 80s, I think 85, 86. I didn't see this woman again until around 1991. I was at a gala with Monica. And I could see that it was her, but I didn't know for sure. And so Monica and I walked in, got seated. Monica wrote a check at the fundraiser. And this woman was like one of the attendants or ushers there. And she comes over to me and she says, you look familiar. And I said, well, I kind of knew who she was, and I said, yeah, I think I've seen you before, too. But I couldn't put my finger on 
who she was. And so Monica looked at me and just grabbed my arm a little bit tighter and gave me a kiss. And then she says, uh, who's your friend? I said, well, she's my girlfriend. And then I explained who she was. And she was like, oh. The whole evening we were there, this woman's eyes were on me the whole night. It did not dawn on me who she was until we got to the mixer, until we got to the uh, little thing that they had with the hors d'oeuvres and everything. And that's when she says, I remember who you are now. You were at the Black Radio Exclusive. I was like, yeah, that was years ago. And she's like, oh, small world. She wanted to get my number and find out what I was doing and everything. I'm like, no, we, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, typical L.A. type of situation. Now, I'm sure they have these kind of situations throughout the world. But when you get with that, that one person who turned you down and then they're trying to come back and trying to rekindle something or trying to open something up for themselves, their benefit, you don't need that shit, folks. You don't need it. And like I always told you, ladies, whenever you come to a man, that man is going to think something's wrong with you. That's the way it goes. The man is going to think something's wrong with you. Doesn't mean it is all the time. But what happens from our perspective, we look at it, men should be chasing you, you shouldn't be chasing me. And this is the reason why we're very skeptical about women that come to us. Now simps, they love women that come to them. Real men, no. We love to go to the women. The reason being is that we feel better because we're choosing her. We're selecting her. Now it's up to her to select us. But we feel good making that choice. But when somebody chooses us and we might go, eh, well, I'll settle. And there'll be plenty of guys to settle because they'll be happy to get anything they can get. And that's the way that flows. But see, a lot of people limit themselves to only one sphere of thought. And it's their own centric view of life. And you can't have that if you're going to grow. You can have it if you just want to be stunted. Because one thing that I do like, and that's the fact that Being that I've traveled extensively in my life, had relationships in different countries with different women, the one thing that I do like is I can adapt very easily. Works to your advantage. Friend of mine, she's 28 years old, just sold everything and went to Christchurch, New Zealand to live. Out of the clear blue, African-American woman. 
doing it on her own. Another friend of mine decided to pick up shop. She went to Moldova. Another black woman went to Moldova because she got tired of dealing with the same old same old. Now, one thing I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of people say that Milan is racist or the people unfriendly. I never had any problem when I was in Milan. I liked the town, loved the architecture. I didn't have any problem in Milan. Milan. Only problem I had was in Rome, the kids would try to distract you and take the take your wallet. But that was easy because what I started doing was putting it down in my shorts. Little bastards walk up and. <laughs> but outside of that, though, no, had no problem in Italy. Had no problem in Belgium, Netherlands, Germany, France, Spain, especially. Ooh, love Spain. Love Spain. Portugal was cool, but the women were kind of hairy, but that's all right. But when you go, you know, different places, you have to adjust to whatever the culture is. And that's the fun of it all. And after seeing this broader perspective, the one thing that I'll tell you guys and you ladies, if you're not appreciated by one person in one geographical place on this planet or by a group of people, there are other places that welcome you without any problem. This is the reason why I tell people never to limit yourself to the love of somebody in your own country, your own region, your own city, your own town, your own block. Love is something that transcends all of that. So the broader it is, the more you'll enjoy it. Now... I'm going to change subjects here and talk about one other thing that comes up from time to time that people may have an issue with. And that is that individual that is always finding a way to put you in a box of uh, feeling down or negative about yourself. Now, this person is not doing this intentionally, believe it or not. Some people do, but this one doesn't because this person's been so used to losing all their lives. They feel as though in order for you to be with them, you have to be a loser too. And these are the hardest relationships to manage because no matter what, this person's going to find a way to take these success and turn it into a failure. They're going to grab failure out the jaws of success. They're going to figure out a way to do it. Even if the relationship is going well, they may deliberately go out and cheat just so that they can have that failure component. Things are going too well for them. And this is what they like to do. They like to always be in chaos turmoil, drama, you call it, whatever. 
Because, see, the way they look at it is at any point, they're going to get to a point where they're going to be by themselves. Now, the reason why they like to have someone around them or someone in a relationship with them, you're a sparring partner for them. You're someone that they just like to have controversy or drama with. In other words, you're a form of entertainment to them. They're not interested in a relationship. What they're interested in is just having a sparring partner. And they go from relationship to relationship with this dysfunction. Because that's all they want. They want someone to argue with. They want someone to always be in turmoil with. Because, see, a successful relationship to them is a failure. A failed relationship is an expectation. And this is the way they look at it. And what they love to do, no matter how good a relationship is that they may see someone else in, they're going to find a way to put in a negative component in order to trip the perception of that relationship up. No, you're not going to have a nice, uh, pristine relationship because I know that he's cheating on you or she's cheating on you. It's going to be something that this person, and men and women do this, will do just so that they can keep this chaos going. Because, see, if a person has you in chaos in a relationship, they got you off balance and they got you where they want you. Because then, in order, because you're looking for what? You're looking for structure. You're looking for stability. And what they're going to do is give you the illusion that they have that. Because they're going to introduce the chaos into the relationship. And then they're going to distance themselves from it and make it look like it's you dealing with it. This is the reason why some of you ladies come out of relationships and some of you have written and told me this. And I've talked to a few women that said this. I thought I was insane while I was in a relationship. I've heard women say that. Because what guys will do, women do it too. They will give you the illusion that you were the problem. While wow, these people brought the problem into the relationship, expounded on that problem, and then distanced themselves and put you with the problem and blamed you as the problem. Some guys do it when they cheat. Other guys do it during arguments. Women do it as well during arguments. And what this is about, it's about projection. It's about projecting the blame. Make my partner feel bad. As long as they feel bad, I feel good because now I'm in control. I can control their sentiments. Now I can shift this blame onto them. So, in essence, what is the one thing that you would need to keep intact before going into a relationship? It's your personal confidence. Because that's where your feelings and everything gets eroded. It's through low self-esteem. Because once a person realizes you have that, that's how they take advantage of you. And many of them don't have remorse, especially if you're with a sociopath. They don't have remorse. They don't have sentiments or feelings. 
They feel as though you left yourself open, so my job is to run over you. Use you. I can't empathize with you. Too bad you are you, and I'm glad I'm me. That's the way they work. So playing the victim with a sociopath is not a good idea because the only thing that happens, <laughs> they just become more insensitive to you. They don't care. And a lot of you women wind up with those guys. And a lot of you guys wind up with those women. That's the reason why you wind up crying so much. And these women are going to court, taking your ass to court for child support and moving their kids all over God's creation where you're not seeing them and they're getting away with it. Because there are some women that just don't like you because you're male. There are some men out there, ladies, that don't like you because you're female. That's the way it goes. But hopefully at some point, we don't wind up like Spain did in their civil war, where originally it was just a civil war with a coup involved in the country, and then it expanded where other countries such as Germany and Italy took advantage of the chaos and experimented with bombings and things like that and took advantage of the situation in Spain just as a proving ground for World War II. A domestic vulnerability. And you could equate that situation to a relationship where there's a domestic vulnerability. The woman feels disenfranchised, she doesn't feel loved, she feels abandoned. That's the back door emotionally for someone to come in. And see, a lot of women really deal with the problem of their morality versus their carnal need and feelings. And that's a tough battle for a lot of women. I've sat down and talked to many women about this particular issue. By the time they're wearing that miniskirt, putting on that makeup and coming out to the club or coming out to an establishment, they've gone through hell mentally debating whether or not they should do that, whether or not they should tell that initial lie to their husband that they're going out with the girls, but they're actually going out by themselves. And they want someone to talk to, and they wind up with someone. And then before you know it, it's a situation where she's damn near ready to just say, you know what, let's go to a hotel and let's get this done. But she's on that fence. Feeling guilty as hell. Feeling unfulfilled. Thinking about all those years she's wasted with that individual. Loving her kids, true enough. But hating the fact that she hasn't progressed in life. Ladies, I heard you on this because I heard women say this to my own ears about the current relationship they were in, the dating situation, the marriage they were in. Women telling me stuff like, 
I wish I could take you home. If my husband wasn't there, I'd have you in my bed. Stuff like that. And I'm not doing anything magical to these women. I'm just listening to them, giving them feedback when they talk to me. Because husbands and boyfriends, not listening. And I send these women back to their husbands. Hey, you need to go and talk to him about what he ain't gonna listen. And the guys would think just because they paid the mortgage and the car payment that he's got loyalty? Shit. <laughs> Back doors all over. But see, that's the thing. A lot of guys miss out on that. A good man never has to, never has to worry about that with his woman because guess what he is? He's attentive to her needs. And guess what happens? She can be attentive to his and talk to him and they communicate and they are considerate of each other. So they don't wind up in bars by themselves. They don't wind up in nightclubs and places by themselves. If they go out, they go out together. I had a friend of mine, Tony. And Tony used to go out with us. And he used to always tell me, he'd say, man, you know what? I only go out with my girls with me, which was true. And then they got engaged. And everybody at the club celebrated their engagement. And then, hell, it wasn't even two weeks before they got married. They came to Vegas and got married. And you would never see one of them at the nightclub by themselves. Either they were together or they didn't show up at all. I thought that was cool. A few friends of mine were saying, oh man, Tony, he's on lockdown, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, he's in a good space. He's in a good place to be. Because he's happy. And sometimes we get jealous of someone else's happiness. So it all depends, folks, on how you approach things and how you appreciate things. But one thing I will tell you, appreciating things is vital. It's very important. Because as you appreciate things, what happens, it shows you exactly how you can appreciate not only the individual, but what they bring to you. But those things that I talk about are subtleties. Being considerate of you and you acknowledge it. Talking to you, listening to you, joking around with you and playing with you. I remember one night, I will never forget it. Monica and I just came from somewhere. I forgot where we were, where we came from. But we were full. We had, I know we had eaten a lot that night. And we had a fart battle. It was crazy. But the funny thing was, she said something about, I bet you I can make you laugh. 
And I said, no, you can't. She said, yes, I can. I said, no, you can't. She said, close your eyes. So I closed my eyes. She stuck her index finger in my mouth and pulled it. And I'm like, what the hell? She said, oh, I got you to smile, see? Where'd you laugh? I said, okay. So I said, now let me make you laugh. And she said, how are you going to do that? I started tickling her. But what I didn't know was, I didn't realize how much gas she had when I tickled her. When I did, boy, that room lit up. I know it's TMI, folks, but it lit up. But here's the thing. It was those precious moments we had together that we used to cuddle and talk about. We both started laughing. And some of you ladies don't have those moments with the person you've been with for years. Some of you never had those moments. The only thing you've had was argue, anger, maybe some sex along the way, but no intimacy. And there's a distinction between intimacy and sex. We'll talk about that in the next episode. But I want to thank you all for listening. And take care and be safe. And enjoy 2022.
We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.